Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. interesting that our views of God would come out in us deciding what kind of car we think God would drive. It's all about perception. It's all about perspective, isn't it? Just think, there is now circling the earth a Tesla. Is that crazy? So I got in this long theological debate with Brenda about whether God would let us go into outer space and actually do that kind of exploration. And she had, I just wondered what her answers were. So I'm not asking you what kind of car you think Jesus would drive to get some big, I just think it's fun. It it reveals our hearts in intimacy. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So you pray with me. Lord Jesus, Lord, it's, it's fun to look at, at this and even laugh at ourselves. But there is an image of you that we need emblazoned into our hearts. Of the kind of God you are and how you use life in our life. How it affects us, where it takes us, what it does to us. So I ask that by the power of your spirit this morning, I invite you to speak a revelation into people's hearts this morning. That you would touch a spot of intimacy that they may be avoided for a while. And I just ask that you would reveal your salvation, your grace, your understanding, and your incredible desire for relationship with each one of us to us this morning in Jesus' name. Let's read James 1. Isn't this, this is the one you put up on the refrigerator, right? Now let's read this aloud together. Read it with me. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Not exactly a refrigerator verse. Um, you know, I'm sure, and, and we know historically, and I really, I want us to all bring it back into a reality. The types of trials that James is talking about here were life-threatening things. They were over faith. They were over uh, laws that commanded people to worship Caesar and there were people on the earth who had found a different way, who had found a salvation in Jesus Christ were coming out of their their own religion, coming out of Judaism and moving into the freedom of the new covenant of God. It was costly. They had only friends among themselves They really were secretive with it. They had secret handshakes, secret signs of where to meet. Um, So when we look at what James is talking about, various trials, uh, 
we know the depth of this and how important it is. But listen, by the same token, I don't, I don't want to diminish anything in our lives today. The trials, the stresses, and the strains that we go through on the earth today, even in America and the blessings that we have here, and we can all, we can counterbalance it with all kinds of qualifiers. I don't want to do that this morning. Life is tough and it sometimes feels like hell. It feels like you're going through trials and you're going through testings. And uh, I, found, I know this. I've, I speak this, you know, part of it's my age, yes, but part of it's life. Days come when your faith is going to be tested. Does that make God cruel or not cruel? No, it has nothing to do with that. But um, I have a promise for all of you. Even the younger ones. You're going to have to go through some tough things in life. And it's going to test the way you think. It's going to test the way you feel. It's going to test your responses in your heart. It will test your faith. And that's what James is speaking about here. You know, I think uh, most of us do everything that we know to do. And then when trials come our way, uh, we walk away feeling often defeated and embarrassed. I've had as many failures as I have had successes. Um, Maybe more failures than successes, but I tell you what, the successes are really sweet and the failures really stink. I don't like going through them, though I learned from them, yes. Um, often my responses, I don't know about your responses, but often when I'm in a trial of life and I don't do it all right, uh, I usually move to that, that uh, wonderful inner vow that says, I'll never do that again. Do you have that one that creeps up from the time you were little? You know, when you set the box of leaves on fire because you got a hold of a book of matches and you were only seven years old and you wondered how big a fire it would make and then the whole thing got out of hand and your older brother came up and said, oh boy, are you in trouble? The old man knows and he set me up to get you. Ah, never do that again. Yes, I did. No more risk-taking for me. Oh, yeah, you will. You will do some, you know, I have an old friend who's not around me much anymore, but he always used to say, sin makes you stupid. Yeah, it's fun. You can, you know, you do that. And and then you attribute it to life and the enemy, and uh, the enemy's really attacking me. No, you sinned. You know you did. This is a product of what you were doing, playing with matches, hoping you wouldn't get burned. Walking the walk of shame, you ever get caught? No? Come on, is this too real this morning? You don't want to raise your hand? None of you ever got caught and had to do the walk of shame? Like uh, everybody else in the class knew it? Seventh grade, I don't know, maybe ninth grade, you know, and you were the one who, you know, and suddenly you're the class pariah? No? Not a common experience? Ah. Yeah, then you get older and the lives get more severe and you do it at work and all your coworkers know and 
you have to go meet with the boss, and he's not Michael Scott. (laughs) Desperate to figure out why you're in that trial, knowing that you had something to do with it, but not wanting to admit it. A seeming failure, a defeated heart, a getting caught. And this is what we tend to do. Whenever we're really struggling and going through something and can't figure it out. So here's the other thing. Stuff happens in life to you and you're going, where's God? Where are my friends? Why did I? And you move to a thing that's called this. The paralysis of analysis. You start analyzing the situation that you're in. The way you blew it. Why you blew it. You move into self-justification. And then there's things that creep up like the enemy is attacking me. I set myself up for this. There's another thing that can go with it. I deserve this. I'm just getting what I deserved. Suck it up, buttercup, and just take it. Uh, People are against me. That's a good one. You can always bounce back with that because I can guarantee you there's somebody against you somewhere. God is testing me. That may be true. Grace people, God tests people's hearts. God is upset with me. That's not true. God's disappointed. God's disciplining me. That might be true. But it's not because he's mad at you. It's because he loves you. Hebrews 12 tells us this. Tells us, yeah, God, yeah. I want God to be God in my life. Don't you? Don't you really want God to be God in your life? Even on your worst day? Especially on your worst day. And really on your, on your best days. When, when you do kind of want to at least get some of the reward for it. Like, I did good, man. I deserve, you know, I deserve that pecan sandy. You know, I, I need that thing. Whenever you're going through really severe trials, so I'm joking around about it because it's hard to talk about it. I'm, I'm using humor actually purposely because I have friends that are in trials right now. They're in testings. And that's what this came out of this. It's not because I am and I really don't want to be. Uh, I don't know what sort of prayer that is. Maybe it's a fear prayer. We know deep down that God's goodness must be at work when you're going through something as believers, right? Yeah? Truth is that goodness seems bittersweet when you're in the moment. You, you know you're supposed to be getting something. You can't figure out, what am I supposed to get? You're doing one of those kind of prayers, throwing that up. Show me. I know I'm stupid. I can't get it. Uh, listen, during these times, when if you're going through something, you need to remember that God doesn't test your faith because he wants to rub your nose in defeat. You hear that? It can be you, it can be a family member, it can be a situation. Now think through this, and a lot of teachers actually didn't get this, and it's why you didn't like them in school. A really good teacher creates tests that the students can pass to find out what they know. 
if they create a test to trip them up and find out what they don't know, did you have that kind of teacher? What good is that? God doesn't allow us to go through with things so that we find out how weak and imperfect we are. He allows us to go through things to find out how good and perfect he is and what he's given to us as a gift in our life. That's why it says, if someone's tempted, don't, let, don't say he's tempted of God. Because tempting and testing are two different things. God's intent when we go through the tests of life, and those can be deep trials, and they can be over your stumblings. It's so we learn. It's so we begin to understand. I will tell you this. Your trials, your shortcomings, your, even your failures is normal. It's normal. It's a part of life And it's a part of learning. If you never did anything wrong and didn't get caught, you wouldn't learn. I no longer put boxes of leaves out in the backyard and set a match to them. Well, wait a minute. Yes, I do. But it's contained this time. And it can't burn the neighbor's house down. Or half of Janesville. Because that's what I was told would happen. Half of it needed to burn. No offense, Janesville though you still exist. Listen, if you're going through something, the best thing to learn is keep a godly perspective. Keep understanding this. Keeping a godly perspective. Listen to 1 Peter. He's talking about, in this you greatly rejoice, the things he said that before that. Though now for a little while, by the way, the things he was talking about was grace and peace coming to you. And he says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And look at what it says here, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So does this mean if I'm being tested, I get my, I get my salvation? No, it means that because you got salvation, you're going to get tested. Huh? That's what it means. You're going to go through some tough things in life, and it's to reveal the salvation that is at work in you. It's to reveal what's going on, and it has to do with your disappointment and your shame. Have you ever looked at the word disappoint? An appointment is when you make uh, an arrangement to go see somebody, right? Yeah? God is never disappointed with you. He can see you all the time. He doesn't make appointments. He's there. We make appointments with God, especially when we go through trials. And then when it doesn't happen, we become disappointed. We quit coming to him. We quit engaging him. 
We start doing that weird, weird walk of shame. And we lose, listen, trials are designed by the enemy. This is how he uses them to do one thing. For you to lose your perspective. What's perspective? How we see life. So I have a little dream I want to tell you about that happened years ago. Happened out of circumstances. I took a group of young men and women down to Mexico. And the church that we were working with in Juarez, it was in a really bad area. Bad area of town. And they poured, they poured their money into it and they didn't have much. They rented sound equipment. They did all this kind of stuff. And these wonderful American kids were going to do this gospel presentation. And it was going to touch the neighborhood. And it was going to be profound. And it was going to work incredible. And so we set it all up and it rained. Bad storm. The sound system didn't work. Three neighbors and an old donkey showed up. The donkey brayed when he was given the salvation message. He never did speak like Balaam's donkey. He didn't get saved as far as I know. All the students were disappointed. The entire church that we were working with was disappointed, discouraged, couldn't figure out. They had heard God to do this big event, and and they sacrificed money. And, of course, the Americans there were with the word of faith and power. These kids were going to just, it was going to turn the neighborhood right side up, right? You get in the picture? Nothing. So, tried to worship that night, and worship sounded like seven people singing off key, and the music, you know, the guitar was terrible. I had a dream that night because I, I went to bed praying. I went, Lord, so many people disappointed. So many. So many young hearts in this. This wonderful church in Mexico that they gave everything. It's so disappointing. Where were you? What was going on? I get in this dream, and in the dream, I'm in an auditorium, you know, one with those auditorium seating and all that. And I'm on the one in the auditorium, and I look up at the stage, and there's just a podium very similar to this. And this little short guy that looked an awful lot like Leonard Ravenhill, who I struggled with anyway at the time. God bless him. He's up in heaven. He's probably laughing at me now. I'm one of the few people that got a public rebuke from Leonard Ravenhill. So God used him to be in the dream to be the preacher. So this guy comes out on stage. And I'm looking around going, where is everybody? It's just me. He comes up and comes up to the podium. He looks, he looks like there's a whole lot of people out there. He's looking at me. You know, he doesn't stare at me or anything. And he says this, it's all a matter of perspective. Who's he talking to and what's he mean? He goes, I'm telling you, you know, only I was the only one there that the finger was being pointed towards. It's all a matter of perspective. And you don't get it. Like, I don't get it. He said, I'm telling you. And he, you know, I don't know if any of you ever heard Leonard, but he could get very vociferous. And uh, he slammed his hand down on the podium. It's all I met. I listened to it for like 10 minutes, and that's all he ever said. 
woke up by the dream. I went, God, was that a night? What was that? Is this part of the trial that I'm going through now? I get to have this mean preacher, this short, mean British preacher yell at me in his English voice. The Lord said, it's just perspective. If you did what you were supposed to do, you did all that you were supposed to do. Now worship me. I went, what? Worship me. See, this is what God was doing. He's drawing me back into intimacy. The perspective on trials is intimacy with God. Not overanalyze trying to figure who's at fault, what stupid thing you've done again, why you're doing the walk of shame, why nothing ever turns out for you, why God would do that in your life. Do people not like you? Is the enemy out to get you? This is what I found through perspective. Run back into the intimacy of God because he knows if there is a test there, if the test is from God, he will hold you in his arms, he will take care of you, and he may whisper some answers to you, or he may just hold you and say, you're mine, and I tell you what, I will never turn my back on you, and we'll get through this together, even when it was your failure. He will not fail you. God doesn't fail tests. Look at what he did on the cross. God never failed. God could have got out of the trial. He said, I can call down legions of angels. He didn't do that. Victory is not about being undefeated. There you go. Clicker's not working. (laughs) Victory isn't about being undefeated. Victory isn't about winning. Victory is about knowing God in all areas of your life. On all the days, good and bad. On all the days, passing the test, failing the test. Victory is about learning who you are. The quality of character you want in your life. And your faithfulness in believing the truth about God, yourself, and your relationship with him. That's true victory. I can fail the test and be victorious in God. Do you understand that? You might think I'm the worst preacher in America. God delights in this boy. He likes it. He invites me to talk to him. I've been inviting him to talk to me for years, and now he's been turning around lately and said, talk to me. Just talk. He likes me. This is what I know. The greatest thing about God is that even in our defeats, he's never embarrassed or ashamed of us. He doesn't do shame. I might feel ashamed, but that's not from God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I might feel like an idiot. I may have even acted like an idiot to the very people I love the most. And if you have a long list of those things, you're not alone. But you are not in an extreme failure. You are a perfect candidate for intimacy with God. If you're in a trial, here's what the enemy tries to take away. This is what I know. 
and I, I've been, so obviously this came out of me talking with some other people that I care a lot for who are in some severe trials. I asked him one question, where's your worship at? They went, what? Are you worshiping? <sighs> Not right now. I'm pretty sure God, he feels far away. <sighs> you see, the enemy's idea when you go through trials is to get you to get way far away from God. And you know what brings you close to God? Worship. Not declaring, not de- de- worship. You know, simple songs. I don't. You know, I still love the the simple Christian music movement that happened. You know, it's you in, in the darkest of times going. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul. Take joy, my king. And let me be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. That's what he wants. Beloved, if trials are for anything, Sid draws back to the place where we have the worship of God in our life. Whether even if it was your own stumbling, fumbling, sinning, you call it whatever you want, you know that the place to return, the place of salvation is worship. It's why it was the original first command, you know. Where it says, fear the Lord your God, it's actually worship the Lord your God. That's how Jesus interpreted it when he went through his trial with the enemy in the desert. Worship the Lord your God. On your worst day, worship God. I didn't feel a thing. Worship God. When it looks like your children or grandchildren or whatever are being stolen from you, worship God. When you don't get the Toyota and the other person does, worship God. If you wanted a Honda and didn't get it, worship God. Worship God. Take, take your fight, all of this stuff. Worship God. Come, come back to that place. Because he'll never reject you. He'll never be embarrassed over you. He'll never be ashamed of you because he already paid the price for the thing that's creating the shame in you. He doesn't do double standards. And if you think you're the only one, that's the biggest lie from the beginning. We're also convinced that our sin is so much worse than everybody else's. We're all in that same boat. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.18. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Listen to this. Not imputing their trespasses to them. He wasn't marking your trials down going, yeah, well, we're going to have to grade this one on the bell curve. Let's see. You get an A. uh, C minus for you, young lady. I saw that. Uh, D over here. Oh, there's another A+. Raise your hand. Praise God. 
And the average is, yeah, we're pretty messed up, but we need a Savior, so we all get C's. Uh Uh-uh. God has marked you with the A of righteousness. He's marked you with the A of sonship, daughterhood. He has marked you with the A of intimacy. Come and worship before me. Why'd you let me go through this? I want more intimacy with you. You mean if I have intimacy with God, I'll never go through anything? Oh, no, you probably go through more. So you have more intimacy. Paul writes, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He's intimately praying for each one of us right now. Is that not incredible? The severest trial you're in, and you got the number one prayer in the universe praying for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distresses or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it's written, for your sake we are killed all day long. By the way, that means you're dead already. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Draws us right back to intimacy. Through him who loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Intimacy cannot be taken from you. Get a perspective on what you're going through. Don't lose your worship. I I, I just can't. Yeah, you can. You're disappointed in yourself. God's not. Worship him. He'll delight. He'll receive it. He'll have angels singing with you. He'll rejoice. Do Psalm 130. It's the last thing I want to say. Do Psalm 130. Listen to it. For those of you who have friends who are going through trials, listen to this. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. It's actually the word worship, that you may be worshiped. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there's mercy. And with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem you, Israel, from all your iniquities. Nothing's in the way. No disappointment. You, you can't have a disappointing time with God. If all you can get out is, oh God, oh God, oh God. If all you can get out is, deliver me, oh God. 
If all you can get out is Psalm 12, verse 1. You know, it's the most powerful psalm in the Bible. You know what the first two words are? Help, Lord. And it talks about faith. there aren't any faithful people on the earth. Help, Lord. If all you can squeak out is help, Lord, he sees that as worship. And I tell you, just like the father in the story of the prodigal, he will come running after you. He will throw his arms around you because he has never forsaken intimacy with you. Even when you did with him, he will not with you. May I pray for you? If you're going through a test, whether it's a test of failure, whether it's a test of sin, whether it's a test of temptation, whether it's whatever the test is, just receive this this morning. I want to pray a prayer for you. Matter of fact, we can all pray it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Amen. Intimacy. If God feels far away, worship. Pick your old favorite worship song and worship. I go back a long ways. So this is what I sang over a friend who's going through some really tough stuff. It's not here, not sitting in this audience, but somebody else that's away from here. And I just started singing, hallelujah, you know, on the old charismatic. <laughs> and something happened in me, and I knew, I knew. Now, I haven't heard a report. I knew that God was going to draw close to that person in intimacy. Because this, this is what God receives, worship. You've got to sit in trials. The whole life of Israel, I could go on all day. The whole life of Israel and the trials they went through, it was all about God just wanted to receive their worship. He knows he's God. He wants us to know. And it creates that in our hearts. So don't let the enemy, whatever you're going through, take your worship. Put your your spiritual foot down. Go thus farther, no, no more. I'm stopping this right now, and I'm worshiping God. Do it when you leave here. Do it tomorrow morning when you get up. Do it tomorrow night when you lay down. When will the trial break? I don't know. I'm not God. But I know Romans 8, and nothing can separate you from his love. But you can sure distance yourself, and don't do that. Amen? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Would you love each other?